You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So listen, uh, today's sermon, I sometimes call it a standalone. It's not part of a sermon series. We finished one up last week and start one next week. Last week we finished up the Joy Sermon Series, and I was really glad to give opportunity to several of our speakers in the church uh, to give them the opportunity. And if you missed any of those, you need to go get them because they talked about joy, but it, it wasn't birdbath deep. You know, it was they, they went to some deep places. It told you some things you probably weren't expecting about joy. So go back and listen to those if you missed them because they're on the podcast. So today we're going to talk about all that is to come. Now there's no way that I can tell you all it is to come in a 30-minute sermon, right? So we're going to be here about four hours, okay? No, I'm joking. Uh, a lot of y'all didn't even chuckle, so you're scared to death, right? No, we're not going to be. Uh, so, no, what I'm, here, here's what we're going to do, though, is I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture. We're not going to read a lot of Scripture, but I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture. And in the sermon notes on the Connect page, in the sermon notes are all the Scripture references. We're going to read some Scripture, but we're going to give you a lot more Scripture. Because here's, here's what you've got to do, Okay? is you've got to dig for it. You've got to go find it. You've got to go, go deeper. There is no way I can tell you. There is not one subject that I could preach a 30-minute sermon to you and tell you everything you need to know about that. So you've got to, if, if you're relying on the sermons for the depth of your wisdom and knowledge in, in God's stuff, in the, in the scriptures, then you've got to quit doing that. You've got to start digging on your own. And we've given you the tools in the, in the uh, sermon notes this week. We've given you the tools. It, it's there, you know, and, you know, there'll be all there, there all next week and forever and ever until the internet goes away, I guess. Is, it'll be there, okay? So you can go back and study, okay? So... Let me start here with a little story. Uh, I've used this quite a few times. If you've been around here for, for seven, eight years, you probably have heard this, heard this story. But it's, it's good because I'll reference it a little later in the sermon too. It's a Sunday school teacher. She's teaching elementary school age kids. And one day the subject is on heaven. So she's telling them all about heaven and how great it is, how wonderful, you know, all the stuff that the Bible tells us about, how amazing it is. And she's got the kids, you know, worked up to a fever pitch. And she says, how many of you want to go to heaven? And all the hands shot up. Except one, little Johnny. He didn't raise his hand, but he had like this, 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 this pained expression on his face and literally concerned and worried. And she was looking around at all the other kids and they all had their hands raised, but he didn't want to raise his hand. And so the Sunday school teacher said, Johnny, don't you want to go to heaven with us one day? All of a sudden, everything changed. His facial expression changed and, you know, and he, he it's like he just breathed a sigh of relief. And he said, Oh, yeah, one day. I thought you were getting up a busload right now. <laughs> you know. But don't we look at heaven that way? Sometimes we laugh at little Johnny, but don't we do the same thing? Is, you know, we, we, we think about, I mean, I don't hear people talking about going to heaven today. Well, we got too many things to do, right? I mean, my kid's starting at quarterback this week, you know, so <laughs> please don't come this week, Lord. You know, or, or I'm going to get to sing the national anthem at the Barons game next spring, opening day, so please don't come before then, Lord, right? And we, we make those kinds of things. David and I, one of our favorite uh, sitcoms is, is uh, Last Man Standing. And there's one episode where just, there, there's just some awesome things happen in his family. And he says, da, 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 da. He said, okay, God, it's not going to get any better than this. You can cue that rapture right now. You know, and then somebody tells him something that's wrong with one of those things in his life. And he said, okay, hold the rapture. Right? You know, it's like we get that way sometimes. It's like we, we just have other things going on in our heart and mind. And if we're not careful, we can get so wrapped up in this and think that, that, let me tell you, you don't have anything on your schedule that is better 
than what is going to be in this, this life afterwards. Bring up that first, first little uh, point there for us. The best life on this earth pales in comparison to the life to come. I don't care how good your life is. Whoever's got the best life in this world, it pales in comparison to what God has prepared for us in eternity. But as long as you still think this is it, you're still trying to throw yourself into this, you're going to keep, just like little Johnny said, oh, yeah, one day, way off in the future, right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I think I got the spirit of Kurt on me today because I'm thinking about little stories to throw in here, you know. Uh, and uh, Kurt's one of, he's our prayer, pa prayer pastor, and he, he's also one of our speakers. But, but you know, the, the old story, you ever heard the old story about the, the older couple? They lived to be really, really old, and then one day they had a car accident. They both died same time. They get to heaven, they're walking around, you know, and they're looking. And, and she said, this is beautiful, ain't it? He said, yeah, if we'd known it was this nice, we wouldn't have eaten all that bran. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was expecting a little bit better to laugh than that. But anyway, right? But that's, you know, one of these days, we're going to see, and we're going to say, man, if we had known, if we had known. So let me talk to you a little bit about that, okay? But this, this first of all, let's talk about the journey to get there. And uh, there is an Old Testament story, true story, an Old Testament, uh, that, that parallels our journey between here and heaven and how we get there, okay? And it's the story of how Israel gets to their promised land. Now, this is a land that God gave to them. He called it a promise, but they actually lived there, but they had moved away, and so now he needs to get them back. They're in Egypt. Okay, so here's five points about this story that they, they relate to us. Israel's journey to the promised land. Number one, Israel was living in a foreign land. They were enslaved. <coughs> There's your verse of Scripture. We're not going to read them, okay? That's part of what you're gonna, you can dig into this week. So they were living in a foreign land. They had been in their homeland, but they had to go to Egypt to get some food to eat, and they stayed. And they stayed, and they stayed, and they stayed. And eventually, they became slaves to the Egyptian people. Now, how does this relate to us? Well, because you and I are in a foreign land. You know, this, this uh, I'm not talking about the United States. I'm talking about just in general, the way the world is today. This is not how God designed it to be. All of this pain and suffering and everything going on in this world, this is not what God intended your life to look like. So all that stuff you're dealing with, that's not God's intention. And so once you become a Christian, you've got a new home that you can look forward to one day. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But what about that enslaved part? That's not us, is it? You know, because, man, we're, we're not slaves. We're free. We're in control. Do any of you feel in control of your own life? Any of you who have children, do you feel like you're in control anymore? You know, if you've got a two-year-old, do you feel like you're in control? If you've got kids who are playing, you know, sports and dancing and all that other stuff, do you feel like you're in control of your calendar anymore? I mean, who, who's really in control anymore these days? A lot of times, it's our life that controls us instead of us controlling our life. So in, even, even in the simplest ways, you and I, we're, 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 we're not really in control and free. Okay, so here's the second point, is for centuries, Israel had uh, dreamed of deliverance, and they prayed for it. Well, who wouldn't? If you were enslaved, wouldn't you pray for deliverance? And so how does that relate to us? Well, we are too. We, we, we dream of deliverance because and you say, well, I don't pray for del deliverance from what? Because every time you pray, you're praying to be delivered from something. If you're, if you're sick, you're praying to be delivered from that sickness. You know, if you've got financial problems, you're praying to be delivered from that. You might not use the word deliverance, and I think that's the problem. It's because a lot of times we go to God with our problems, and we go to him almost like we just want a Band-Aid. Hey, God, just, just kiss it, make it better, put a Band-Aid on it, and I'll be okay. I mean, that's kind of the way a lot of our prayers are, and that's why we don't get anywhere. 
Hey, listen, can I tell you something? Jesus did not die on the cross of Calvary so you could be a little better. He died so you could be free. So pray that prayer of deliverance and pray that prayer. Say, God, I want this gone. I don't want to ever see it again. I want it out of my life. I want my life to be delivered. I want my family to be delivered. I want my parents to be delivered. I want my children to be delivered. And and pray that prayer of deliverance. Okay, so before I show you the third thing, let me ask you a question. How many people, anybody know how many people, if you were in the first service, don't answer this, okay? Anybody know how many people, how many Israelites left Egypt when God delivered them out of the land of Egypt? Anybody know the number? I'm going to give you the exact number. You know, how do you know that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you. You ready? Here's how many. Every one of them. Okay, I'm sorry. It's a bad dad joke, right? Bad dad joke. But that's, that's what we understand. Now, if you look in the Scripture, it does say that there were 600,000 men plus women and children. So a ton of people left, right? We don't know how many, but for everything we know, go ahead and bring up the third thing. is The promised land was available to everyone, and every one of them left. It was available to all of them, and every one of them left. I mean, because they're enslaved. It's like, okay, let me get out of here. So they all left. And let me say, here's the parallel for me and you, is that our promised land, heaven, is available to everyone also. It's available to everyone. It's avail- all the people in your life, all your family members, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, everybody in your life, heaven is available to them. But number four, all of them left, but not all of them went to the promised land. All of them left Egypt and left slavery, but not all of them went to the promised land. Why would they not do that? Now, they they wanted out of that. They wanted God, but they really just wanted God to kiss it, make it better, put a Band-Aid on it. They didn't want God to turn their life upside down. That's kind of the way they looked at it. I mean, he's changed everything. God, can't you just fix this one little thing? Because life is pretty good. Do we ever pray that kind of attitude, prayers? My life's pretty good. God, just fix this one thing and everybody, I'll handle the rest of it. And I'll handle that, God, and you just fix this for me. That's kind of the attitude they had. Here's the problem. They'd gotten comfortable. When you live in a foreign land, every generation grows more comfortable living there. And that's what happened to them. Is uh, Every generation, they had been there for generation after generation after generation after generation. And every generation was getting more and more comfortable with being slaves. I mean, they cried out to God, but it's like, God, we want you to just fix this. We don't want you to turn our life upside down. And they, they got too comfortable. But think about this. Think about, think about those old people first. Think about, you know, people older than me because I'm, I'm still young. So we're talking about old people, right? Think about those. Who's laughing over there about that? Me being young, right? Think about those old people. The fact that they're, if they leave and they take their families out of Egypt, that fact that their grandkids would not grow up as slaves should be enough for them to say, I'm out of here. But think about those young ones, those that weren't married yet, those that had no kids and they didn't, at this point, didn't even have somebody that they were possibly thinking about giving a ring to or anything like that. The fact that leaving Egypt meant that when they got married and they started raising kids, their kids would would not be raised as slaves should have been enough for them to say let's get out of here but there was something still holding them back i got a couple of really pointed questions give me that first one here's a real pointed question do we say no to our lustful desires and our disobedience for the sake of our families israel didn't a lot of them said they still they still wanted you know what they were comfortable with they had grown comfortable with the alien land and they wanted that 
even though it would have meant slavery for their kids. So here, here's an even more pointed question. Draw, draw this one down <coughs> even to first person. Are there things I engage in that could bring bondage to my children? Hmm. Think about that. Because the parallel is there for them. They kind of wanted to be out of slavery, but not too far out of slavery. They wanted to be close up because I, I remember my belly was always full. I was a slave, but my belly was always full. You know, what I liked, what I enjoyed, I always had. But they weren't, com they weren't willing to walk away completely for the sake of their children. So let me ask us again, are there things I engage in that could bring, bon bring bondage to my children? And we say, you know, hey, I'm strong enough to handle this. Are your children? But are you even willing to risk your children being under bondage to something? Holy Spirit, I ask again right here, let this question weigh on our minds all week long. If there are things, if there are things that I'm engaged in that could bring bondage to my children or my grandchildren, or for those who aren't even married yet, that could bring bondage one day to their children in the future. God, let that weigh heavy on us, I pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Because they didn't answer those questions right, that's why so many of them didn't make it into the promised land. Because they were connected to that. See, this, this thing of living in, the, living in the, um, the foreign land, they literally physically lived in a foreign land. You and I, what we're talking about here, we're not talking about, you know, Morris being a foreign land or Gardendale, Hayden, or wherever you live. We're not talking about that being a foreign land. We're not talking about the physical aspect. We're talking about the spiritual way of living in a foreign land. Living in the land hmm, of the oppressor. We're, we're talking about that in just a moment. So, so let's talk about uh, just the number five here. Is Israel prayed for deliverance, but on their own terms. Here's something they said right after they got out of Egypt. They looked at Moses and they said, why did you make us leave Egypt? What? You know, Egypt is symbolic with the, uh, slavery. I mean, you can kind of just say, I mean, the symbolism here, you know, is Egypt and slavery. So, so the, throw the word slavery in there. And what were they saying? Why did you make us leave slavery? You know, and that's, that was their attitude. That was their attitude is that, wait a minute, you know, we just wanted the Band-Aid. We just wanted God to just make it better. We didn't want everything thrown away because, hey, we had houses there. You know, I had my recliner. I had, you know, all those things that I enjoy. Yes, I was a Yes, I had to work hard, but you, you didn't have to take everything away from me because now we're out here in the wilderness. It's like, it's like they, they wanted to be free of Egypt, but they didn't want to have to take the journey to the promised land to get there. They'd rather live in that, but is, is that what we want to do? Let me tell you something. Because some of us, it, it's, it's like we're spinning our wheels constantly in life asking God to do these little bitty things for us and never turning everything over to him and you know what that's like that's like living in the land of the oppressor and here's you a truth right here if you don't get anything out of this get this you will never be truly free from living to truly free living in the land of the oppressor I'm not talking about physically again I'm not talking about Morris, Kimberly, or whatever. I'm talking about this spiritual thing of living in the land of spiritual oppression. As long as you're still, like the Israelites, trying to hang on to just a little bit of that because at least, you know, I had my, my belly full of whatever. As long as you're always going to be spinning your wheels, asking God to just kiss it, make it better, and it's never going to be better because you're never going to be fully free 
while you're living spiritually in the land of the oppressor. You've got to say, I, I want out of this completely. I want to walk away. I don't want my kids involved. With it. I don't want my future family. I don't want my future spouse. I don't want any of us to have to deal with any of this. I want out. And until you do that, and you're willing to say no to everything around you, say no to, and, and, and to embrace the walk following God, you will never be free. You will always be under some bondage that continues to keep coming back and coming back and coming back because you're just praying for the Band-Aid. We want to get to heaven. So let's talk about heaven, all right? Um, and that's what we call, like, you know, they think that it was a promised land, but for you and me, we kind of, you know, what we're talking about is we're talking about heaven. And really, it's not heaven, okay? Can I tell you this? We've been lied to, okay? We've been lied to. We've been lied to about a lot of things. But one of the things, Hollywood has lied to us, but, you know, Hollywood get, got this idea from us in a way. And, and I've, I've tried to research. I've, I've researched it several times. I've dug into it, but, man, I can't, get to the, I can't get to the bottom of it all the way back to where it began. I cannot find the first person who made us believe uh, I'm sorry, go on to the next slide, that, that heaven was about halos, wings, harps, and clouds, you know? <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, you know, you watch movies, you know, or I remember the old, old black and white uh, uh, Bugs Bunny, and that was before me, okay? Uh, but, but the old black and white Bugs Bunny, him, he, he got killed, he died one time, you know, and, and he's ascending up into heaven, and he gets these, uh, you know, the wings and the halo and a harp and all that kind of stuff, but but uh, our, even, even our, our stuff around today, you know, back just a few years ago, we, we just did uh, The Sixth Sense in one of our sermons this year, you know, and, and uh, how, how it portrays the afterlife. And, and uh, I, I was asking other people for more updating. They, they talked about The Haunted Mansion and Disney's uh, Soul. You've seen that movie, kids, or some of you, you, you adults, you've seen that movie, and how, how just, you know, it's like, that, that's nothing like, here, here's the real reality of it, okay? We're not going to live in heaven. We're actually going to live on a new earth, okay? That's, that's really what it's like. So, so let's scratch all that out, okay? Halos, wings, harps, that, that's nothing about it. Let me tell you what it really is like, okay? Imagine this afternoon, somebody comes in. They walk up with a, some papers and they fold it up. They lay them in your lap and say, you have just inherited some property. And uh, the guy says, I've researched it. Let me tell you about this place you've, you've inherited, Okay. This place is so, so awesome and amazing. There are no policemen there because there's no crime there. They don't have an army because there will never be a war in that land. They don't have medicine because there is no sickness, no disease, no pandemics. And there are no food banks because nobody gets hungry there. Everybody always has their belly full of whatever they want and whatever they need. Sounds like a good place, doesn't it? That's exactly what Revelation 21 is telling you. I dare you, go read it this afternoon and see if that's not what it says. It's all of those things are going to be gone. It's going to be, it's going to be more like this life with all those things gone. So if we're talking about, hey, God, we kind of like this, but we're talking about this place of heaven that he's going to take all that away. Or what if he says, hey, let me tell you something else about it. It is so amazing and so awesome that you are never even going to think about us. Once you get there, you're not even going to remember us. You're not going to think about us ever again. Y'all know like when you, when you go on vacation. Do you lay on the beach with the, the sun beating down on you thinking about work? Is that what you do? My, if you do that, look, can, can I help you this afternoon? Let me counsel you just a little bit, all right? You know, it's, you know really, the, you, the whole point of the vacation is to not think about all the junk you got to handle when you get to work. It's like, I, I'm here till Friday, so the la, you know, at least till the last minute I walk out the door, I am not thinking about work or anything. That's the way it is. It doesn't mean that work went away. It doesn't mean that your memories went away. 
but it's just like, this is so relaxing, I'm not thinking about anything else. That's what he says. This is the way this land is. You're never going to think about living here again. Oh, you won't, you'll have the memories, but you'll never think about it again. But guess what? That's what Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17 says about this, this heaven, this, this new earth that we're going to be in for eternity. Or, or what if he says, let me, let me describe it to you this way. This is more beautiful, more awesome, more amazing, more goosebump inducing than anything Disney has ever dreamed up. That's what 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 tells us. Some of you say, saying, well, I didn't know Disney was in, in the Bible. I didn't know Paul wrote about Disney. Well, he didn't use the word Disney, but I dare you. Go read that verse this afternoon and tell me if, if he isn't saying that. You know, Disney wasn't around then, so Paul couldn't use the reference. But for you, Paul would use the reference today. He said he would say it's more amazing than anything Disney has ever dreamed up. This is, this is what heaven is. So you know what? It makes me want to say, hey, wait a minute. Let's go find little Johnny's Sunday school teacher and see if we can get that bus cranked up this afternoon, right? I mean, if this is what we're going to, then let's do it. Let's go, right? But that's not, that's not how we get there, is it? So how do we get there? How do we get there to this heaven? You know, it's not just all those things we talked about at the beginning, but how, how do we actually physically get there? And, uh, well, there is a bus, you know, uh, for waiting for some of us, you know, that bus called death, right? You know, uh, but that's one of the ways you get to heaven is you die, right? And, and nobody wants to get on that bus this afternoon, right? I mean, we really don't. I mean, we really don't want to have to die to get there, but that's one of the ways that we get there, okay? But the other way we get there, the other way is, uh, here's one little verse, verse uh, from Hebrews 9 and 28. It says, Jesus will come again not to deal with our sins, because he came the first time to deal with our sins, so he's coming again, again, you say again, so he's coming again, not, it's not over, he's coming back again, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you eagerly waiting for him? You say, have you, have you ever mm, kind of been expecting somebody, but you missed them because you weren't watching? Maybe they walked right by you in a crowded mall or airport or something, walked right by you, didn't even see them there. You know, you, because you weren't looking for him. He says he's coming back for those who are eagerly waiting for him. And that's not the only verse that talks about Jesus coming back. You want the rest of them? They're in the sermon notes. Because what I want to do today is I just want to give you a little bit of an appetite to say, I want to know more about that. And I hope you'll dig into it this week and find out more. There's, there's several other places that I've given you links to, and I haven't given you all the links in the Bible about the Lord's return, but I've given you several that you can dig into this week. That's how we get there. And it's going to happen one day. Jesus is going to return. That's the best way to get there. So how do we know when it's going to happen? How do we know when this is going to happen? Well, uh, the Israelites, they were waiting on the deliverer. They were waiting for God to send, and Moses was the guy who showed up. We are waiting on the Messiah, Jesus. And it's really interesting, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, Moses prophesies, he predicts about Jesus. He says, just like I'm your deliverer, God's going to send another deliverer. And, but, you know, Moses isn't saying, hey, he's like me. He's saying he's going to send another deliverer who's even better than me because I'm just delivering you out of Egypt. But he's, he's going to deliver you in, in so many other ways, and he's talking about Jesus. So that's what our, our, our weight is on. But let me say this. I, I know when, when you say when, some of you are thinking, oh, what, what about those signs? You know, tell us about those signs. You know, people are asking about signs today, and there's a renewed interest in that. And we'll, we'll talk about this in just a second. But let me say this. If we're not careful, signs can become distracting. I know people who have gotten so caught up in signs, they couldn't talk about anything else. They couldn't talk about the love of Jesus or anything else. They were just caught up in signs. But, you know, 
If you are just paying attention to signs, you are going to miss too many things. And that's dangerous. It's distracting. Uh, let me give you an example here. Imagine you start driving. You know, when you leave parking lot today, you begin driving for the rest of your life. You're going to drive, and all you're going to do is pay attention to signs, okay? Um, some of you probably could use paying a little more attention to signs. I guess, yeah. But I'm talking about totally. All you're paying attention to is signs. Okay, well, you're not going to get lost, so that's good, right? But you're not paying attention to the fuel meter, the fuel gauge. You're going to run out of gas. You're paying attention to stop signs, so you're stopping at those, but you're not paying attention to street lights, so you're going to run some red lights and probably going to have some fender benders. And because you're not paying attention to the blue lights in your rear view mirror, you're probably going to get pulled over and get a ticket. Uh, but if you're not paying attention, I, you know, probably be about 10 cars pulling you over and you'll probably get arrested, right? Because you're not paying attention. I mean, when you only pay attention to the signs, there's so many other things you're going to miss and so many other things that are going to happen in your life because you're focused on that. Signs can become distracting. And when I started in ministry as a young minister, everybody was really, really focused on signs. I mean, everybody caught up in red heifer stuff and, <coughs> uh, the um, Ark of the Covenant, and I'm not talking about Indiana Jones, I'm talking about, you know, <laughs> that kind of a thing, but, you know, the Mark of the Beast, you know, you know, you know, y'all know the number of the Mark of the Beast, anybody? 666, right? You know, and here, here's another example, right? I mean, this is really important, but, you know, I, I know people that if they showed up at a hotel and they told you, hey, you're on the sixth floor and, you're no, and your room number is 66, they'd say, well, put me in another floor. I'm not staying on six, in 666, especially if it's near Halloween or anything like that, right? We're not doing that, right? Because that's the mark of the beast. Listen, it's not about the number. It's about the world system that is going to be operating and how you don't want to be a part of that, okay? It's not about the number. It's about the system, okay? That's the, way number, that's the way our signs can become distracting. We need to make sure that we're focused on the right things. Okay, so I've said all that. You know, uh, like when I first got started, it was really, sens- and I've just backed away from the sensationalism because I just believe people get too focused on that and they miss everything else that God is trying to tell them. So, but I'm going I'm to share some signs with you here, okay? But I, I want you to hear this too is I'm just sharing a few. I've got a full page of them, but these are just a few of the signs of Jesus' return. All right, run through them real quick, as quick as possible, because I, in, in my, my clock's mind, I'm, I'm out of time, but I know you guys probably are wanting to hear a little bit more of this. But, uh, and these are, the, these are the signs that the Bible gives, and some of these Jesus specifically speaks out of his mouth, okay? So, so he's like saying, hey, here's, here, here's how you'll know when I'm coming. Okay, so it's him talking, right? Uh, in Matthew 24, that's him speaking. And he says, there'll be wars, rumors of wars, famines, diseases, and natural disasters. Haven't there always been those things? So what is Jesus saying? He's saying it's going to be worse in that time than ever. I mean, that's what he's obviously saying. There's always been wars, but there's going to be more of them. There's always been pestilence and diseases and, you know, and natural disasters, but there's going to be more of them. And they have increased since we've been here. And here's the, here's the, here's the thing. He's just like, well, but that doesn't mean that it's happening right now. But what he's saying then, if this is true, is he's saying it's going to be worse when he comes. So if this isn't it, that means it's going to get worse than this. So by all means, church, we need to be praying, you know, come quickly, Lord Jesus, before it gets any worse than this. You know, and then uh, verse 9, 10, 11, increase in false prophets and hatred toward God's people. Uh, we're seeing that right now in our city streets, the hatred towards God's people you know, uh, the Jews, but then also uh, the hatred for, uh, a lot of hatred for Christianity today. And, but then also the false prophets. I mean, there's been such a, a tremendous increase in false prophets in uh, your lifetime. And I, th- I think the internet has, uh, 
has kind of aided that some because any idiot out there, you know, with an internet connection can be a false prophet today and can have thousands of followers before anybody ever cracks open a Bible and says, wait a minute, let's check that and make sure what he says is true. So that, that's another thing that will increase. People become distracted by their many entertainments. Now listen, uh, back in the, wh- whatever you like to do, n- name it and throw it in there instead. Jesus couldn't say to those people back in those days, you know, here's, here's, you know, here's what they're going to get. But he just had to kind of lay it out for them in a way they could understand. Read those verses, see if it doesn't say what I'm talking about here. That people will be so distracted by their entertainments and the stuff they like to do that they will miss the important things. That that's going to be uh, happening in this time. Uh, the gospel of Jesus is spread throughout the world. Never in, never in history has there been a time where you could preach a message and everybody in the world could hear it. But with satellites, with, uh, with you know, fiber optic cables, all the stuff that we've got nowadays to communicate, every person with a satellite dish can hear a message. E- even, if even if their government says it's illegal, they can still go and find it if, if, if they work hard enough. I mean, it, it's going out in, in Wycliffe. Uh, if you've got doubts about that, just Google Wycliffe, W-Y-C-L-I-F-F-E. Uh, just Google them and see what they're doing. To, to And I, I'm hurrying. I don't have time to talk about Wycliffe, but and see what they're doing. And then t- by, by 2025, somebody told me I do this all the time. Say, I don't. They told me that this week. You, don't, you say, I don't have time to do it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay, here, you know, Wycliffe says by 2025, they, they have already translated the scriptures into over 1,000 languages but there's something like over 7,000 languages being spoken in the, in, in the world today. And they said by 2025, they will have at least started translation in every one of those languages in two years. So that says to me, okay, we're, you know, we're like, it's almost like they're saying, hey, we're going to help Jesus make this happen in a hurry. You know, so we get, that's what they're, they're really trying to do uh, to, to get the word out. And 2 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 3 and verse 4 says people will scoff at the idea of Jesus. Do you really believe Jesus is coming now? People are going to say that. People are going to say, do you really believe Jesus? I mean, nobody's even talking. When's the last time you had a conversation about the Lord returning? When's the last time you heard somebody, even a Christian, talk about the importance of this or the, the eminence of it? And then this is the one that is on everybody's minds right now a little bit because of the, 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 um, the attack on Israel uh, just a few, about three weeks ago. And there, there's a few scriptures, Zechariah, Ezekiel, and, chapter, and, and Luke. You can look into those and look into those later, and I'll show it. You can see it right there. Um, Israel is gathered again to their homeland, and they are besieged again and again. And, and in our lifetime, Israel has been attacked over and over and over. But in our lifetime also, they have been gathered. Listen, for some of you, I, I, want, I want to give you some frame of reference here. For most of you, Israel has been a nation your entire life. There might be one or two people <laughs> that were alive before Israel became a nation in this room, before Israel became a nation in 1948, right? There's not many of us, you know, that remembers the time before Israel was a nation. So in 1948, Israel w- became a nation, and they had been gathering before that, and they, they continued to gather even more and more and more. But here's the, here's the real kicker of this for me, is that was the first time, this is the first time in your lifetime, this is the first time that Israel has been under self-governing rule since 500 years before Jesus was born. It's been 2,500 years since Israel ruled their own homeland. 
That's how long they've been dispossessed. That's how long other people have, have ruled in their land until 1948. So they'll be gathered. This is why all of these things, and that's why the, that's why the, the attack on Israel, the besieged, they're besieged and they're in their homeland and people are wanting to, to kick them out and they're wanting to turn it over to others. And that's why this is so important in the whole end times thing, okay? So there, there they are. There's your signs. What do you do with those? Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.